Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning us in, turning us on. Now, Benny, right? If you were listening to the last show mm-hmm. that we did with mm-hmm. Dr. Glenna, mm-hmm. then you are ready for this show. All right. Because, yeah, I mean, that show was all about possibilities. Okay. It really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The P word. The good P word. Yeah. I mean, there's a few of them, but this one in yeah. particular. Yes. I agree with you. That's okay. right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, listen, I learned this the hard way. Dr. Yu, introducing the heart science of self-healing with Dr. Jeremy Howick. Now, why am I saying this is like super important? And why did I learn it the hard way? I learned it the hard way because I went down a healing path for the first time in my life, later in life. I was actually doing this show and in 2004, April 1st, to be exact, 2004, I came down with a mystery disease. And thank goodness I kept doing this show and decided to change the entire direction of the show to talk about more holistic type of things. Everything from money to miracles, you know, from greed to God, from wellness to welding. This show is all about all of the things we experience in life. It's talk radio to thrive by, but it's how we talk about them. And today, because... I've got a book in my hands, and we're going to give three copies of this book away. That if I, 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 I I'm thinking that if I'd have had this book in my hand uh, sooner than today, I would have been able to get a whole lot smarter about what was going on in my life. But today, you all get to meet somebody incredible. You know, an Oxford University researcher, us researchers got to stick together. The author of over 60 publications and classic textbooks, world-renowned expert in the field of placebo effect, large-scale medical studies, and his work has been featured in Times, Washington Post, a bunch of other print outlets, uh, and the BBC, and he's joining us here today. Get ready for this. You might want to take a few notes. You certainly want to take down our call-in number, 1-800-930-2819. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Howard, for joining us here today. Thank you. You're welcome. It's great to be here. Um, So listen, here's the thing. I did get a mystery disease in 04. And I now look back and I know why I got it um, and what I was to learn from it. I want to ask you this question. I have just did a brief bio of you, everything you've done. You've written a phenomenal book. Uh, We're going to give three copies away. I want to ask you this. Given who you are in the world, who you are today, right on this show, 
what are some of the challenges and obstacles that you personally had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Yeah, I think it's like you said for yourself, your healing journey brought you to a new place in terms of your great radio show. So for me, it was when I was rowing. I used to row and I used to get mm. so anxious and stressed out before the race. I'd almost get sick and sometimes I would get sick. So I needed some way to kind of reduce this stress and anxiety. And um, it turns out stress and anxiety is very bad for your health. It makes you miserable. So as a last ditch resort, I took my mother's suggestion to do yoga, traditional yoga, not kind of, you know, the fancy poses stuff, which is wonderful but the kind of traditional yoga, which is more focused on breathing and meditative techniques. I didn't think it would work, but I, would tr I wanted to try anything to help me reduce the anxiety I had before the rowing races I was doing. So as a last ditch resort, I, I visited a Dr. Bally, a yoga teacher who taught me his routine. I thought it wouldn't work, but I was so blissed out at the end and so focused. I thought to myself, well, if I can get this focused, I'll be able to win more races and my, my anxiety completely went away. So that's just one of the things that happened to me. So it's because of my anxiety that I got into the this kind of research area. And of course, that, that led to a bunch of questions I had that I ended up investigating with the, um, it's now up to, up to almost 100 studies I've done. Well, you know, I, I, I went through and as I was reading your book, I, I've, I read your introduction three times. Usually an introduction, I just go through and, you know, and then I go on to read the book. But I read this three times because there was so much just in the introduction. I want to start here to ask you a few things. Um, one of the things that I love is how you are bringing to our awareness, right? Um, what's going on in terms of you and I are both researchers What's going on in terms of research in our pharmaceutical uh, organizations? What it is that people don't know, but more importantly, you're not saying in this book, let's go ahead and reject all the pharmaceutical drugs. And I just wanna be clear about on the outset of this, because you make a really good case. You know, those of us that have been injured or broken a bone, last thing we want is to sit there without a little help and get that thing set. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ouch. I mean, modern medicine is wonderful. J just like a glass of red wine is good for you, but 10 glasses is bad. Or, you know, <laughs> a, a beer or two might be good for you, but 10 or 20 is bad. The same thing with medicine. I mean, medicine, when you need it, is wonderful, but we're all taking too much of it. So, here in the UK, people are getting five more tests than they were just a decade ago. In the US, it's even worse. I mean, there's almost a million people dying of antibiotic-resistant bugs because mm -hmm. of too much prescribing of antibiotics. The US military is worried that healthcare spending is becoming a threat to national security. And we're not spending money on prevention. The research money, the vast majority of it, here is 98%, it's similar in the US, is going to kind of new drugs, which is wonderful. But again, they're missing a trick because we can do a lot of things to encourage the, our bodies to heal themselves for a lot of the common things that we visit the doctor for right now. Yeah, um, I was struck by, right out of the gate, some of the information you share at the right at the beginning of the book. And the... The thing that I was most struck by, and I said, really, was that this notion of placebos and the fact that 
97%, I think you say, of UK doctors have prescribed a placebo at least once in their career. You know, this is something that's fairly interesting. But what's interesting is the outcome, or let's say the results of this. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the research and some of the findings that you do mention in the introduction before we even go forward. What if you could pick the top three things in your research where you kind of did a double take like I just did and said, really, what would they be? (laughs) I know I put you on the side. I'm sorry. I'm just so fascinated by your work. What would they be? What comes to the top of your list? The, first, the top three would be, first of all, placebos work even when patients know they're a placebo. So if a doctor <laughs> gives them a pill and says this is a placebo, it can still work. We can talk about why that's the case after, mm-hmm. if you like. The yes. second thing I'm surprised to learn is that being isolated, so not being connected to friends, family, and social groups, whatever they are, um, is as bad as smoking. So if you're isolated, it takes away five years from your life, the same effect as smoking. Whereas being uh, connected to people and you're creating a great community with your show, it helps and so on. And the last thing is that how important it is to take a moment every day, more than a moment, to de-stress, to relax. Right now we're, we are bombarded from the moment we wake up with the mobile phones and messages and you know WhatsApp and all this stuff. But I mean, we need to de-stress. We need to kind of switch off. Just like our, our, the best phone needs to be recharged by plugging it in, We've got to replug ourselves, and many of us don't take the time to do that. So th- those are my top three. Oh, I love it. Because, you know, there are a couple here, and one in particular I want to go back to. Um, let's talk about isolation. Now, there are in, in the world 12-step programs and for whatever it is that you want. But alcohol and drugs is mostly known. One of the things they point out and have pointed out early on, decades ago, was that isolation is a killer. Uh, They didn't have your research, but there was a lot of dialogue, anecdotal anecdotal data that talks about that. I want to ask you about this because isolation now is getting to be almost at epidemic proportion for people that are in the senior years of your life. Do you find that surprising? Did you find that really surprising and how unaware we are of that? It's unaware. And in 2007, Dr. Pat, was the first year that we had more people living in cities compared to, you know, non-urban areas. Mm -hmm. And we would think that living in cities brings people together. But in fact, Mm -hmm. people feel more isolated in cities than they did in, in villages. And I mean, there's a number of anecdotes. So here's, you know, North Dakota residents, Clifford and Eva Vivea, were happily married for 65 years. Then they died within hours of each other. There are many, many cases like this to show that, you know, our health is connected to the health of those around us. And um, there are many ways people can reconnect. And in a way, it's very easy to connect with social media and so on. But in a way, mm-hmm. the social media also takes us away from human contact with others. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, and can we just clarify this before we kind of move ahead? Does human contact include I... I, I'm on the phone and I talk to people from my job, from my house every day. Uh, because there's a, there's a sense of isolation. Uh, even if you do that, you know, there is a sense that, yeah, this is my job and I connect. 
to what degree do you find that this is happening? And does it uh, does it work to really pick up the phone and connect? Well, the evidence there is a bit mixed. Certainly. Okay better to have face-to-face contact. I mean, then you get other things, especially if you see a great old friend, you get a hug that releases oxytocin and so on. Um, And then being online with non-humans, like playing games and so on, that's not good, even if it's some kind of network. But I would say calling someone is probably in between, you know, it's in between face-to-face contact, so it's probably a bit better than nothing, but not as good as the face-to-face contact. Wow. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to jump right into this now. There's so much in this book. It is amazing. When we come back, what we're going to talk about, and, you know, thanks, thanks to, really, thanks to what Dr. Howard put together, we're going to talk about, whoa, what are some of the healing stories? You know, what are some examples of how this journey and evidence of self-healing exists, and how can you be part of that We're going to take a short break, too. When we come back, we're going to give away our first copy of the book. We'll be right back. Living Lighter Radio with Jason and Patricia. We have an ecosystem approach to your life. Tune in weekly every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio as we, Jason and Patricia, discuss what's truly holding you back. We offer you the tools you need to reach your goals and at the same time be living lighter. For more information about living lighter, visit www.livinglighter.org. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Love Living Radio Ignite Your Whole Being with Emily Perkins is a show for those looking to explore the sparkling magnificence of their inner selves. Tune in every second and fourth Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific as Emily sheds a radiant light of love on the beauty and power that resides within you. Discussing love in all its forms through conversations that provoke awareness, curiosity, and expansion, Emily shares the unlimited power of love. For more information or to listen to this show, visit lovelivingholistics.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural process. Every day we are either moving toward wellness or away from wellness. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. I'd like to be your partner in achieving optimal health. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. 
Have you ever wondered if there's a way to heal the deep, hidden inner issues, wounds, beliefs, and traumas? The journey into spiritual healing engages people in all areas of their lives to heal themselves and others. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Dr. Jaffe brings conversations of healing of body, mind, and spirit as he merges the excellence of traditional medicine with the beauty of spiritual healing. For more information about Dr. Jaffe, this show, and his work, visit drjaffemd.com. Hey, everybody. Um, Listen, this is really amazing. You know, many of you have heard me talk about my own research and, you know, clearly I'm not uh, an MD. My research is in the field of psychology. But what I want to share with you is there's something that happens when you line up uh, real data. There's something that happens. And it's really hard sometimes to really dispute it. But beyond that, how do you write a book that not only presents data, but allows you, as you're reading, to consider possibilities. That's what Dr. Jeremy Howard did, introducing the hard science of self-healing, Dr. You. And we're going to jump in here in a minute. We're going to talk about self-healing. And I, and, I, and I would love all of you listening for a moment to just hold the possibility of that. And let's give away, Benny, our first copy of the book. Uh, and also, we're taking questions. If you don't want to come on air, just give them to Benny. 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. Um, before we get to that question, how can people find out more about you? And how can they get a copy of the book? Yeah, so for me, it's easy. My website is www.jeremyhowick.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-H-O-W-I-C-K.com. And for the book, it's easy to find on Amazon or any of the standard outlets, Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. And so on. just type in Dr. You, and it should come up there pretty close to the top. Awesome. Um, look, one 800 uh, We're going to give three copies of the book away today, and that's our first copy. Um, I, I said something during the break, and I want to start there. Um, autoimmune disease, as it's called, is uh, at epidemic proportions, really. Um, inflammation, autoimmune, the body attacking itself, and yet in numerous cases of classifying people, we don't recognize that there actually might be something in there that's causing the body to do that. So here we are, the immune system. I want to start with that because we have certain beliefs that we gather up as we are diagnosed. Talk about your discovery about the immune system and, as you say, a closer look. Yes, well, our body, the first thing, the general thing is our body's way more amazing at healing itself than most people think. Our bones, pound for pound, are stronger than steel. Um, if you lay out your, your blood vessels end to end, they wrap around the earth more than twice. I mean, every single cell in your body has enough information to produce a whole other human being. We have 30 trillion cells in our body. Um, you know, our brain is amazing. We have natural killer cells that just, you know, inside that kill viruses and kill bacteria. And the immune system is really amazing because it it can kill 
anything that, that the body doesn't need or that's, that's not wanted, that's going to harm the body. And the, um, the immune system, these autoimmune diseases are what happens when the immune system starts um, kind of turning on your body when it doesn't have to. So allergic reactions, for example, or, or you know, allergies when the nose begins to run, it's very good for the nose to run if you, ha if you inhale something bad. But I mean, a rose or a kind of, um, you know, pollen's not usually bad for you. So, I mean, there's no need for a, an immune system reaction. But what, what, what people suspect is that under the stress response, too much stress, when the immune system is being shut on and off too much too often, it just goes haywire and starts behaving erratically. And that's one explanation for what an autoimmune disease is. You know, and uh, you know, and I know that we're watching it just climb year after year after year. The other thing we're also watching is the um, medical categories, or shall we say descriptors for no more names, more diseases. And uh, I want to talk about this because you then introduce and talk about in the book um, the placebo effect. Um, what yeah, is it? Yeah, let's talk about what you found about this and, and some real examples, because I know this is staggering for a lot of people to wrap their mind around. Well, uh, a real example is um, it was discovered in the modern age by a, an American doctor called Henry Beecher, who was in the front line during World War II. And the legend has it he ran out of morphine and mm -hmm. used salt water injections, saline injections to treat soldiers, and it seemed to work. So after the, the war, he came back and studied this phenomenon and found it to be real that, you know, that these placebos can really reduce pain. I mean, since then, a lot more studies have been done, and some skeptics have called into question how powerful they are. But uh, my research shows that, you know, placebos don't work for everything, but for pain, they're quite powerful. And meanwhile, over-the-counter drugs for pain are barely better than placebos for most back pain, cancer pain, yet they have side effects. And moreover, even mild drugs for pain can lead people on the wrong path, you know, so more and more stronger and stronger drugs. And we all have heard about the opioid crisis. Well, that's how it starts sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of this too is let's, let's, let's talk about cause and effect for a moment. Um, one of the things that happened back decades ago, and I was uh, an executive in the phone company and human resources. And we were introduced at that time, uh, a presentation on stress. And this was the first kind of dialogues that was happening about stress. And I remember this so clearly and the backlash from it is as all the evidence was being presented on what stress leads to, even then, as it is even today, Dr. Howick, even today, with all of the research, all of the evidence, we still don't take stress seriously. And I nope. wanted to, I'm so glad you put it in your book. Yeah, well, I mean, let me tell you a story about my, my knee. I mean, just after the book was published, I had a bad knee injury. They gave me a scan and found mechanical damage to the knee and recommended mm -hmm. surgery. But I thought, well, I've just written this book about placebos. I can't do the surgery right away. So I convinced my doctor to prescribe uh, physiotherapy. I did a few simple physiotherapy exercises, and my knee healed itself. I ended up running a marathon in that knee, my first one. And people think, well, this is a case where it's unusual because it seems like it's a mechanical problem with the knee that you can see on a scan. But the mistake they're making, the mistaken inference talking about cause and effect there is that, I mean, 
they're thinking that the body is just a machine. And if it's just a machine, of course, if you see something wrong with the physical part of the machine, then you need to fix it. But the human body is more than a machine. It's, a, it's an incredibly complex machine with um, kind of just like an airplane. If one engine breaks down, the other one can work. Your body has a lot of compensatory mechanisms like that. Um, so the, the, uh, the stress, yes, it's very bad. It was discovered that, I mean, when they do studies with, with animals and humans, under too much stress, our digestion slows down, our immune system is suppressed. I mean, it's a bit more complex than that, but mm -hmm. our digestion slows down. So we can't absorb nutrients. We don't recover properly. So if we can find time to de-stress, to relax, this can has the opposite effect. It's like the relaxation is the antidote for stress. One of the things you also talk about, and I want to talk about it with you, I love this uh, part of the book, you know, and you say it so brilliantly, the cause of stress is not always out there. It can also come from within. Boy, isn't that a little golden nugget of information? Yeah, so I mean, a few years ago, I was stressed out at work because, you know, there was some someone, a little bit of a kind of an issue with some people at work. It was a difficult, challenging situation. And, you know, you leave work and you go home and you just think about it and you find your heart rate going up and so on. So just the thought of something bad um, stressful can can induce the same response to something real. So, you know, just like you see a dog barking at you, you might get scared if you don't know about dogs, Or, but just the thought of some scary animal can also set off a stress response. Um, and the same is true the other way, though. That's the good news. Just, there's always a silver lining to every cloud. So just like um, a thought of a bad thing sets off a stress response, the thought of a nice, pleasant thing can make you feel happy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my, my my wife is not here right now in the room, but if I think of her, I'm going to feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if she's here also, so so thoughts are powerful, and it, it, the human the way we perceive things is complex. There's not really any difference that they can find in the brain from when we actually see something or when we imagine it. There's very little difference there. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about one thing though uh, in the book because in my coaching program, you know, I started coaching a number of years ago. And I, I was a little bit different. I didn't spend a whole lot of time up front with people, but I gave them a project to take action. I'm reading in the book and I'm reading your takeaway, five easy ways to, uh, to move away from stress and anxiety. One of them we talk about a lot and that's breathe to relax. But I stopped at number two, take action. And you don't say take like major action, you know, like go take on the world. I, I would love to talk a little bit about this because you also refer to this as uh, do something altruistic. And I actually think, Dr. Howick, this doing this radio show and not quitting, I was so sick. I By the time 2008 came, I was looking at a wheelchair, but I didn't quit this. And you say, do something altruistic. I would love for you to talk about this, please. Well, bless you for carrying on your show. I mean, you've helped a lot of people. And coaching is what's needed nowadays because we can get all the information on the internet. So information is no longer what mm -hmm. people need from medical professionals. What they need is a coach to kind of help them navigate through the different aspects of their health, the medical profession, deep prescribing, and so on. So yes, taking action. I mean, thinking about something over and over and over again doesn't help. I mean, you th you think about it enough to make it become clear, and then rather than letting it ruminate, because those allowing those negative thoughts to ruminate is known to be bad for your mental health. 
In fact, that's the, almost the definition of some mental disorders. And so allow those negative thoughts to carry on ruminating. So instead of, if you can't stop the thought pattern because thought patterns are difficult to stop, one way to stop them is just to do something, anything, go for a run, sing a song, uh, say something crazy, or, or if you're kind of at a stage where you can think of uh, what the solution to whatever problem you're worrying about is, then take the first step towards solving it. That right away will reduce the stress about it because few of the problems today are insurmountable. We often have to eat and so on, for example. Wow. Listen, everybody, we're going to take a short break here. This is something I would love for you all to think about. We're going to talk about it when we come back. Here's the question. Are you ready for it? Can positive thinking, gratitude, you all follow me? Positive thinking, gratitude, right? Love, can that change your brain and your DNA? Think about that possibility right there right? Just three things, three. Can they change your brain, change your DNA? I, I don't, I, I'm going to, I don't let Dr. Howard answer that question when we come back, everybody. 1-800-930-2819 if you'd love a copy of this fabulous book. Dr. Yu, yeah, introducing the hard science of self-healing. We'll be right back. into the wisdom of animals, angels, and masters with Darcy Pariso on Animal Soul Wisdom Radio. Tune in monthly as Darcy brings insights on how to better understand and deepen our relationships with animals. Working with light and pureness of ancient techniques, Darcy, healer, animal communicator, and medium is here to guide you through this process and provide inspiration to move forward. For more information about working with Darcy, visit DarcyPariso.com. Stay juicy. Tune in to Your Juicy Love with me, Una Drake, co-hosting monthly with Dr. Pat and every second Monday at 12 p.m. on Transformation Talk Radio. My show, Your Juicy Love, helps you find the dynamic, life-affirming love you've always wanted. Transform your relationships and bring peace, joy, and juicy, juicy love to planet Earth. For more information, visit unadrake.com. Calling all moms, it's time to awaken your vibrant, intuitive, loving self in every area of your life. Join host Debbie Pokornik as she shares thoughts, stories, and tools to help you stand in your power. Listen to Vibrant Powerful Moms Helping Everyday Women Create Extraordinary Lives, Mondays at 2.30 Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. For more information about Debbie, visit empoweringenergy.com. That's empowering with letters N-R-G.com. Do you know how powerful your thoughts and beliefs are in determining your experience of your life? Is it really true that simply by changing some of the words you use in your day-to-day language that you can change your life? I'm Megan Edge. Join me on Playing on the Edge Radical Change with Ease with my co-host Dr. Pat on Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you there. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit thetruthisfunny.com. Practice living in wholeness and achieve fulfillment in your life with your body in full service to you. Sign up for the Body Tune-Up. Six online classes designed for radical self-healing and self-regeneration. Go to CorneliaStephanie.com. Evolve. Become a practitioner now. Everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. It's really cool. Um, thank you so much for that. And again, I would love for you all to find out and get your own copy of this book, 1-800-930-2819. We'd love to give a copy of the book away. Uh, Dr. Yu, Dr. Jeremy Howick has written a fabulous book. Um, and there's not just, it's written so beautifully that you get this beautifully weaved uh, story and then some amazing facts that I'm pretty sure that you all don't know about. I mean, I I was shocked at some of what I was reading. Um, Before we jump ahead, Dr. Howard, please give out your website again, anything you want to give away with social media um, and how folks can get a copy of the book. Wonderful. So yeah, my website's www.com. Jeremy Howick, J-E-R-E-M-Y-H-O-W-I-C-K.com. And my name, Jeremy Howick, is the only one on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and all those wonderful social media sites. Um, thank you. Thank you for today. Um, before the break, guess what? What I said was, listen, how about the power of positive thinking? You know, how about that? How about if we understand that we can be the doctor. How about the art of giving? What does that look like? In giving, we receive. What about that? And if you put them all together, three simple things pretty much, do you believe that you have the ability to change your brain and your DNA? What does Dr. Howard say about that? Let's talk about each of these separate, separate and, and then talk about whether or not that's actually true. Positive yeah. thinking, the power of positive thinking. I also believe power, positive thinking, power, positive speaking are the tag team of frequency. That's right. I mean, I, I got interested in this because a colleague of mine, George Lewis, was a very positive doctor and his his colleague, Bruce Thomas, was a bit more grumpy and said, George, you know, all, all that positivity doesn't do anything to your patients. So George said, well, why don't you test it out in a controlled trial? So Bruce Thomas did that. He took a bunch of cards, wrote positive on some and negative on others. And as patients came in, if he drew a positive card at random, he'd give them a positive consultation, you know, saying if they needed a drug, he'd say, this is going to help you almost certainly. Call me back in three weeks. If he had a negative card, on the other hand, he would say, well, I'm not quite sure what's wrong with you. This may or not, may not help. After three weeks, he couldn't deny the results. Twice as many patients with a positive consultation got better. So what I did is I, I trolled through over 40,000 
studies looking for trials like that. I found 28 and 26, so all but two of them showed a positive result. Positive empathic communication helps things from length of stay in hospital and lung function to patient satisfaction, um, you know, quality of life and pain. And the effect size isn't, isn't huge, but compared to most over-the-counter drugs, it, it compares favorably, and there's no side effects for patients. Yeah, um, you go through, and there's so much that you've put in here. Um, you also talk about negative expectations. And let's talk about that for a minute, because so often we talk about positive thinking, but we don't talk about um, negative affect or, or negative expectations. And it almost seems obvious, but it's not really. Yeah, well, the funny thing is just as a positive thought can have a positive effect, a negative thought can have a negative effect. And I'm doing a study now that's not in the book because it's, it's, it'll be fresh off the press even soon, but almost half the patients who get placebos in clinical trials report negative side effects. Now, how could a patient taking a placebo have a negative side effect? Well, the best explanation for that is that they've read the kind of warning, you know, those warning, the small print that you see when you, if ever you buy yeah. any, and they read the small print, they've taken it seriously. And they said, well, I got a headache. It must be because of this drug I'm taking when in fact, they're just getting a placebo. And so that, that also happened in, in our lives. I mean, applied to us, it's not just patients in trials taking placebo pills as part of the trial. I mean, I think we're all guilty of thinking negative thoughts too much. I mean, it's good to be realistic and deal with problems uh, face on, but I mean, ruminating negatively and beating ourselves up, it does not help. It's bad for our mental health and therefore our physical health because one thing I show in the book is that you can't separate the mind and the body. I challenge people, no one can, there's, just try to name me one thing yeah. that's just in your mind. Yeah, no, um, we really can't. And we, we, uh, we have so many examples of this, right? Uh, but also we now are knowing the effect of uh, paying attention to uh, uh, the news channel 24-7. Um, you know, there is an effect from that, and yet there is an addiction to it. And it doesn't really get people to a place of comfort or information. Um, and I find that it's one of the most extremely difficult things to ask somebody to do is for a week, don't turn on that channel. You know, you know that that thing gets you fired up. Don't turn it on. That's like telling somebody, don't turn on your phone. Um, what would you say about the degree by which we are getting addicted to things that really do have a negative effect on our bodies? You know, I don't even have a TV. Yeah. And these people, the, the TV stations, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them, but they're in it, they're in it to make you watch. They, they mm -hmm. pay a lot of people to make sure that you're, or try to make you addicted to it. And this goes back to the fight or flight response. I mean, imagine you're a caveman and frightened by a wolf. Your body reacts in a fight or flight response. So your blood mm -hmm. pressure goes up to get more circulation to your muscles. The uh, your pancreatic levels are adjusted to have more quick fix energy. Your pupils dilate so you can see better in the dark. All those things are amazing for fighting a wolf, but now there's no wolf nowadays unless you work in a zoo. So these things you see on TV, you know, natural disasters, impending economic doom, 
that's what they're selling on the TV. I, mm-hmm. rarely, I rarely see good news stories. <laughs> yeah. In Europe, we have them. So these bad things induce little mini stress responses, mini fight or flight responses that have, can have the, the same negative effects that stress has because it's the same thing. Um, I can't say enough about what you've written in this giving, uh, in giving we receive chapter because most of the dialogue around giving is really pretty singular. But you go through and you talk about what I have found to be one of the most important aspects of making change, positive change. You talk about volunteering and being of service. That is the one single thing that I have heard across the board from people, whether it's addiction, 12-step programs, whether it's in your church or community, that thing right there creates a whole new paradigm for people. How does the science of that work, if you could help me with that? You know, I know there are health benefits, but it's such an interesting and actually easy thing to do. It's very easy to do. I mean, we think when we're helping somebody, we're doing something good for them, which we are, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to make sure that the charity we're involved with actually does good. But if we've done some bit, bit of research, we can ascertain mm-hmm. But what we people don't realize is they're also helping themselves, which is also, you mentioned churches in the Bible, to give is more blessed than to receive. Mm-hmm. And there, there are not that many trials in this, but there are some randomized trials that show that, you know, doing volunteer work um, lo- leads to lower stress levels, lower depression levels. And the reason I think is, first of all, you get your mind off whatever problem you're, you're, you're having in life. And we all have problems. So this, by definition, de-stresses you. Um, you're also, if you're doing a certain kind of volunteer work, even walk by someone and smile. I did a workshop a few weeks ago in California and I said, okay, the, the homework over lunchtime is do something nice for somebody. Yeah. So I had a great salad at lunch. I, I said, you know, tell the chef it's, it was a great salad. And the waiter, they were so surprised. The chef came out in front. It was just at a cafeteria. I said, thanks. Thank you very much. He had a big smile on his face. We all felt good. Um, the thing is though, if you brag about it, like you might say, I'm bragging about it now. Um, the effect for you, the health benefit is lower than if you don't. So it's right, better to right. do it for altruistic reasons, not because you want to get your name on, on the front of the paper for being uh, the number one donor at the latest um, event. Yeah, there's a difference between altruis- altruism and egoism. Uh, and, uh, and, and really, that's a super important point that we're making. But, you know, the thing that I know is that the body does change. I want to give another copy of the book away right now. 1-800-930-2819. And let's go ahead and skip the break, Benny. 1-800-930-2819. Let's talk about how doing all of the above or all below, how does the brain change? Can Can we change DNA? Well, yes. I mean, my grandmother died of a stroke and she was an amazing woman. She grew up on a ranch in Southern Alberta, not too, too far from where you are, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. And she had a stroke and she was a success. So she never regained the use of the right side of her body. She just used her left hand and she was amazing at it. She lived on her own to a ripe old age of over 90. But now what they real and they thought it's because once that part of the brain which is connected to her left side of her body, was damaged. They could never fix it again. They never even tried. But what they've done since then, they did some studies where 
uh, one guy was a brain scientist, Paul Bakirita, his, his dad had a stroke, and his brother refused to believe that he's no longer to, not going to be able to walk. So he kind of encouraged him, was probably very you know strict and tough, but after pushing, pushing, pushing him, he ended up walking, which was considered to be short, barely short of a miracle at the time. He said, well, how can the brain make these new connections? And what it is is the brain is plastic. So parts of the brain that previously were used for one part of the body got re-diverted to, to make sure that this, this Paul Bakirita's father could end up walking. So my grandmother would have been able to regain the use of her side. She was a tough woman, and I'm sure that with the right program, if they had given it to her, she would have regained the use of the uh, you know, right side of her body. Wow. You know, I want to talk about something in the book uh, that people are going to be fascinated by. You know, there's this idea of our genes and our mind. There's the idea, you walk into a doctor's office and they ask you a questionnaire and you got to go through it and they ask you, did your mother ever have this? Did your grandmother ever have this? Did your father ever have this? Did any of your sisters have this? How many of these things are in your family? And you sit down and you always fill it out. And every doctor always asks you, you fill the same thing out, fill it out 50 million times. And the reason you fill it out is because the first thing in a lot of cases that they're going to do is if something shows up, they're going to go and look at your family and say, oh, yeah, that's what it's got to be. Now, what's the downside of that? Uh, is there a downside? In the book, you say, where does this leave Angelina Jolie and me? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Angelina Jolie famously went public when she got, um, she had a, a, a mm -hmm. broken test once, so she had a genetic marker for breast cancer. And the thing is, they could have suspected she would have had the cancer, you know, but just asking her about her family history, as yeah. you mentioned. Um, and I'm not saying anything about Angelina Jolie. It's a personal yep. choice for all women. It's a tough choice to make. And I respect and support whatever choice people make. But it's important that people know that the gene doesn't determine it. I mean, there, there are very few genes that determine things as a kind of one-to-one -one relationship. The, the Human Genome Project was launched in 1990. The U.S. government spent, you know, almost $4 billion on it. And they promised once we map out our genes, we're going to figure everything out. But they didn't. It's been largely considered to be a pretty big, expensive flop because, you know, our little success. Um, but mostly the genes you consider, imagine a big airplane, take it apart and put all the pieces on the ground. That's your genes. I mean, you need something else to put it all together. And that's uh, where the field of epigenetics comes in. So, I mean, very few things are determined solely by our genes, almost nothing is. Um, and so it's important not to give up just because you yeah. have some genetic marker. The human body is way more complex than any single gene can, can represent. And I think one of the things for her is that, you know, it wasn't just the gene thing. And of course, nobody really knows because we haven't talked to her. But one of the things I was struck by was how emotionally connected she was to her mom emotionally. And you talk about this in the book, you know, the love and connection for she and her mom, unprecedented. And so the thing that I was struck by, which was counter to what a lot of people were talking about, I think by going through and taking that action, she de-stressed herself. She literally removed the number one thing that 
I, and this is my belief, she didn't talk to me about it, but that thing which she saw, that emotional connection where she saw her mom's life be taken away, the action I think she took helped her to sleep better at night. And you and I don't know for sure, but what I related to was, oh, okay, she's going to sleep better at night. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, like I said, every woman has to make their own decision and every exactly. man is prostate mm-hmm. cancer. And um, what, what I can say, well, I can't say is I relate to your hypothesis that she was connected to her mom. Right. My book, Dr. Yu, is dedicated to my mom, who kind of without her, I would literally wouldn't be here, but also emotionally mm-hmm. wouldn't be where, where I am. And with genes, I mean, what, what Dean Ornish has shown, shown with his studies, which I review in the book, mm-hmm. is that, you know, de-stressing, doing meditation can alter the genetic uh, factors, risk factors for some diseases. It doesn't have a People think you can just do a one-minute app and so on for a few days and, and radically change your body. And there may be anecdotes to support that. But in general, you know, if you're committed to this kind of um, avoiding medication unless you really need it, you can actually change the way your genes are expressed. There, there are studies which show that, especially, you know, taking time to relax and de-stress. Yeah. And, you know, this leads us to the conversation about neuroplasticity and changing our brain. And let's talk about that. I think it's super important. And let me tell you why. I play table tennis and I coach table tennis. And those of us know, and I coach seniors, and those of us know what happens when we watch, um, uh, let's just say seniors play table tennis. Now, there's research on the relationship between table tennis and Alzheimer's and there's actually <laughs> Alzheimer's table tennis te- therapy because they've done research. I think it's a great example of something that is related to what you talk about. I don't think that it is about the science of playing. I think it's about the joy that people get from this. But I'd like you to talk about that and especially about, let's say, rewiring the brain. Well, yeah, that works on so many levels, especially yeah. with an experienced coach like yourself. First of all, they're, they're first of all they're getting they're not they're not alone while they're doing that. So they're be, they're benefiting from the power of social connections. Second of all, they are um, you know releasing endorphins by doing exercise with endorphins, as you know, are just endogenous morphine, which is morphine that your body makes. Your body makes its own morphine, the same stuff that people shoot up is made by your body but um so and the other thing is you know after exercise people relax and the the de-stressing you release less cortisol and adrenaline into your veins and you know and and like i said the happiness so although it's working on many many levels then having you there they might uh, be there they might have been worried about a problem during the day they might express it someone might uh, offer a solution so all those little things seem like fuzzy stuff but what my book shows that, that a lot of things we consider to be fuzzy, like positive thinking, empathy, having good friends and family and being connected to social networks and joy, um, that they're fuzzy. I've quantified these and shown that you can quantify them the same way you quantify the benefits of drugs and the benefits are real. Well, I, those of you that are texting me right now, let me just give you a website, right? So you, they're asking me about that. They're, go to www.bbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbbb
and you're going to read about what people are doing here with this. Um, Look, there's so much that you've put in the book. There's so much that we can learn. Um, I want to thank you for today, and I want to ask you again to let people know how they can find out about you and how they can get a copy of the book. Yes, the best way to find out about me is my website, www.jeremyhowick.com. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-H-O-W-I-C-K.com. And the book, Dr. You, can be found on Amazon and all the standard places where people buy books, Barnes & Noble, etc. Oh, and yes, you're right. Everybody out there, it is the UK that has led the way with this. Last question, what's on the horizon? What are you most excited about? You know, what what are the possibilities with this? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about turning this book into a well-being program um, and then disseminating it on a wide scale so that people can start enjoying life more, start using medicine more sparingly. We can save money for the healthcare systems and be happier and healthier while we're at it. I love it. Um, I want to thank you for all that you're doing. One last question. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? I'd like to leave people with the homework I do when I do the well-being program is reach out to someone you've not spoken to who you think would love to hear from you right now and see how you feel. All right. I love it. For those of you out there, the book is called Dr. You, um, Introducing the Heart Science of Self-Healing. Dr. Jeremy Howick is my very special guest. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for taking the message out there about this. So very important. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Wow. Thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on. You guys are the best. Benny, thank you for pushing all the right buttons, for not pushing some of the other buttons. And uh, again, we've got another hour coming up on TransformationTalkRadio.com. We'll see you next time. audio was via a Skype call.